Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you not for hardcore church planting, but uh, rather the refined, the elegant, sophisticated, and the number one church planning podcast, the Church Planning number Podcast. One! <laughs> Are you going to tell them about that? Yeah, definitely. Send him his high school football rules. I think you should just tell him about it. You mean the, the, the little images that we got the, over? The little images. Yeah, so um, Brandon Brooks, who uh, I got to say, that man's head is a scary place. But uh, he listens to podcasts, a longtime listener, and uh, he comes up with cartoons every once in a while. Well, he sent us a bunch of animated GIFs, and they're the stinking funniest thing. I don't. Pete says he's never heard me laugh so hard. I get this one, and it's me riding the luck dragon, you know, throwing my fist up, fist pumping. It was pretty good. He From stuck the my head on the story, little boy. For people who don't know, never ending yeah, story. Yeah, never ending story, the luck dragon. And uh, then uh, I tell him, oh, you should you should put Pete on there. You know, me dragon is muy rapido. And uh, for old time listeners of the podcast. And then he starts like just sending a million with Pete. Like it goes into like a Pete fest of these gifts. <laughs> but the I think it was like the third one that came through. I couldn't stop laughing and, and I literally couldn't talk and I literally started crying. It was so stinking funny. <laughs> Go ahead, Pete. Well, I don't even know how to say it. It's, uh, it's wicked. The Ewok and he's like scratching me and I'm in like an Ewok suit. 
And I don't even know what to say other than that. Only that I'm uncomfortable even looking at it. It looks me. Oh it makes God. me look weird. You know, like Wicked, he's got like it's the it's the goofiest expression they've ever gotten Wicked to make with his big old teeth sticking out and his his fat old lips hugging his teeth. And uh, oh my gosh, man! And and the the way his hand it is, it's like he's scratching you. It's so stinking funny. And and your head's moving back and forth like not like a dog when you scratch him in that place it's great and i could i could not stop laughing i was crying so hard and i couldn't even stop and send it to pete so he's watching me fall apart uh and then pete goes i i don't i don't even know what to say about that i don't i don't <laughs> my favorite though I, you know it's a toss-up because you sent me four of them i don't know if there was more than four but you sent me four the one by now. the one with me holding the uh you know we're number one f- big foam hand that was from the podcast <laughs> i'd love yeah. that one me riding the luck dragon with the the fist pump i mean i love that because that's you know me dragonas movie rapido but then yeah. the one of me with like the double-sided lightsaber doing the flips and stuff that's another yeah. classic comedy piece I think yeah. they should go on the Facebook page. I don't know how to put them there, but I think they should go there. Absolutely. They need to go on there. That's great. Yeah. So anyway, uh, today's podcast, we are going to actually have a serious talk. And before we get into our serious talk, we always like to do a little bit of smack talking. So Peyton, what uh, is today's topic for those who are going to skip the best part of the podcast, which is the smack hey, talk? Are, do we still have our sound? Didn't we used to have a... Uh... Like where we announce it in the beginning with like, wasn't there another Star Wars clip? We had Hulk Hogan. And we had Batman too, right? Yeah, we still have Batman. We still got all those? Okay, we need to use some of those. What about uh, Miyagi? We haven't had Miyagi for a while. You know what? Um, I actually just tried Miyagi before we started, and I'm running it off my iPad, and for some reason that one didn't carry over. So it's, it's Miyagi's all- broken? Miyagi is broken. That one had me in tears. Dang. I was you know, in tears. I, I just threw it away last night off my I'm like Pete has it. I don't think I'm sure I have it on my computer. Okay. But All right, I'll have to on the iPad I don't. Yeah, squish like grape. I got it right there. Yeah. M4. Okay, well cool. Um today's topic is and, and you gotta bear with me here, because it's gonna sound a little weird when I announce today's topic. Today's topic is uh how to reach the uh a marginalized piece of society i should just say it right how to reach handicapped people mm. i mean ev- everybody's going what <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just stay tuned after smack talk yeah all I'll will just, become clear and um that'll be an interesting topic so today's uh podcast is actually sponsored by simplify church Ooh, com. Everyone thought we were going to go with MoGive. I like that. I, I was getting ready to uh, to sing. Can you sing SimplifyChurch.com? Um, I can. <laughs> SimplifyChurch.com SimplifyChurch.com Simplify. That's off uh, Bill Murray's Saturday Night Live uh, Star Wars. Remember when he's like, Creepy lounge singer. Yes, I remember because of you actually singing that to me. I don't know how many times, which sounds kind of creepy in and of itself. And hey, how about creepy Star Wars bar? Weren't there sure a lot of spooky creatures in there? 
<laughs> so anyway, Simplify Church. You know, we've actually got a live uh, testimonial for them, live in in that it's actually us because we are yeah. uh, switching everything for our our church plant right now. Right, we're we're getting off the mothership and we're getting on all of our own stuff, our own bank accounts, our own everything, and we're literally doing this right now. Like, yeah, you and I are late I by an hour recording this podcast because yes. we were going over. All the financial stuff because you suckered me into being the I, I see I don't consider myself the treasurer, but you suckered me into like being the point man. Paul uh, Pete sacrificially stepped forward. Oh, by the way, I'm gonna mess up a lot today and be kind of lame on this podcast because I've been up since three thirty doing tax stuff for the church, a lot of the forms that they gave me and all kinds of crud that I just don't have time to do. And so that naturally leads us into uh, our ad for simplifychurch.com because as Pete said, um, it, it's one thing to find a guy, a, a willing sucker, I mean a sacrificial uh, servant in the church who's willing to, you know, uh, collect, make the deposits, um, you know, record the uh, deposit slip and what came in. But you need someone on the other end to handle all of the business stuff um, for the church, like bookkeeping, payroll, paying the bills. And that, if if you're like me, that's the kind of stuff that, that just, it, it keeps you awake at night. Literally kept me awake last night. Not because I was stressing me, because there was just a lot of crap to do. So simplifychurch.com. I just put the word crap in your, in your ad, in your commercial, because this is it, baby. But it's straight. It's from the heart. And here's some of the things they do, okay? Um, they're called Simplify Church because they want you to be able to focus on what God called you to do, right? Not bookkeeping. So they do bookkeeping for you. They have forms. They have. They will help you keep track of your church's finances. Um, they do payroll for you. That's a big job. There's things like... Uh, That's even a standalone service. If you're like, yeah, hey, we don't need the full bookkeeping, but we need someone to do our payroll because of the taxes, and yeah. here was the interesting thing in talking with Josh because he's a he's a client of mine uh, for my Facebook marketing that I do, and so we've talked about this a lot. Churches actually screw up the payroll because there's no system out of the box that does it correct for pastors, yeah. like QuickBooks, all that stuff, ADP. None of it does them correct out of the box. Like you have to specifically do it correct. Um, because of the the special tax considerations for pastors, and so that's actually a standalone service that is um, cheaper than anyone else. So if for no other reason, you should reach out to SimplifyChurch.com just to have them do your payroll. It's Josh like, has been doing this for years. He's a veteran church planner. He understands church planters and church planning. So he's not going to gouge you. And just you know, on a on a side note, payroll right. Um, we were paying like 60 bucks a month for a payroll service through New Breed. And we started using Simplify Church, I think because we were burning our treasure out. So he was like, man, I'm so glad I don't have to do all this stuff. That has suddenly opened us up to being able to do more, to put more people on, uh, New Breed because we have someone else. So if you're, if your treasure is burnt out, overwhelmed, says like, I can't do much more, you need to look into these guys. If you're paying someone, you're probably paying them um, just part time. You're probably paying them what you know you'd pay Simplify Church. You may even be paying uh, more than you would pay these guys. They're competitive. 
I'm but sure they're, they're paying them more because I wouldn't do it for that cheap. <laughs> I'm just nope. saying. Yeah, he is super cheap. Like literally, you guys, the reason that we're doing this and, and sharing them is because I'm using them and I believe in them. So just know that if we ever throw something at you, it's not because we're hoarding ourselves after money. It's literally, we use these guys. We know their help to church planners. It's the same motive that we do the show for in the, in the first place is to equip you. And those of you that have used MoGive, you know, um, it's our other sponsor and, uh, you, you want to definitely check them out, but payroll, we, we now pay, it's a $20, uh, fee if you use their bookkeeping service. And uh, they will do into your tax receipts, make sure you're IRS compliant, make sure your bills are paid every month. It's a dynamite service. Simplifychurch.com and uh, let them know that you were sent there by us. I don't really feel like I'm the treasurer because I don't really have to do any of that stuff. I'm just kind of like the front man. So I concur. I collect the money and I turn it into the bank and someone else keeps track of it. That's the beauty of Simplify Church. You're kind of like an Oompa Loompa and they're like Willy Wonka. I um I'm kind of offended by that because Oompa Loompas uh scared the crap out of me. They were creepy as heck, weren't they? They were the old uh Willy Wonka and the new Willy Wonka with Johnny Depp. All of them Oompa Loompas are just scary. Dude, I laughed so hard when I saw the new one and those dolls at the beginning caught on fire. That was so twisted. I don't remember that. I, I don't know that I paid much attention to that movie. I didn't like the movie. Yeah, you know I did strangely i really liked it but i love the old one too I, see i didn't like it because i i just didn't i didn't oompa loompas like literally it reminds me of clowns and those are scary and little people clowns it's like a one-two punch i'm not a big fan. i have two words for you my friend little people <laughs> deal with it you want to know what's funny? After we just did the Simplified Church commercial, I was talking with Josh this week, and he goes, yeah, I went. Uh, I started listening to the podcast, and you and Peyton, you guys are crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, little people, little people. Like, that was all he said. <laughs> hey, hey, I, it is a bit of an obsession with me, but come on. You know, we grew up in the 80s, right? We had Willy Wonka. We had Ugnaughts. We had Ewoks. We had Willow. Remember Willow? Dude, I, that was another movie I didn't like. I didn't like oh, Willow. Come on, Willow Offgood. Come on, man. The Brownies. Beer. Come on. What was not to like? Mad Mardigan? Val Kilmer is Mad Mardigan. That was great. Ron Howard, little Obi Cunningham making a fantasy Dude, film. Speaking of Val Kilmer, that's an actor who used to be a great actor, and I don't know what happened to him. Now he gets like not even B roles. He's getting like D or F roles. Man, this is the smackiest of the smack talk ever. Is that where we are? We're in Val Kilmer now? We've come to this? That is the smackiest we've ever gotten. I'm just saying, man. I don't know. I honestly think it was the island of Dr. Moreau. That's where his his yes. uh, um, fame and stardom just went off the tracks. Absolutely. You're right. That that was the movie. Everybody went to see and went, what? You know, and even look at... Uh, Cuba Gooden Jr., like, he was a great actor, wins an Oscar, and, like, today can barely get a decent role. Yeah, I think because they cast him in the same role every time, where he has that face where he looks like he's about to cry and his eyes go back and forth and he's, like, trying to suck it up. 
they always they're like, you know, we need a guy with the Cuba Gooding Jr. face for this role. I know. Who Let's get Cuba hit? Gooding Jr. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense. So he keeps getting cast. Tell you the one that was really good he was in. Was that one about the uh, naval deep sea diver? Did you ever see that one? Yeah. Um, man, what was it called? Metal Men of Honor? Men of Honor? Yeah, I think Men of Honor. Yeah. He's missing an arm and Robert De Niro's No, like, no, no. He's missing a leg. Yeah, he's missing something. It was a leg because but he was he standing on deck arm. when like one of the cables just got loose and was flying across the deck with like an anchor on it. And it just like clearing took off his leg. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that was a perfect segue into today's topic, talking about <laughs> reaching handicapped people in your church plant. Well, you can't laugh. That's the rule, Pete. You can't laugh. I'm laughing at your transition. I thought we still had more smack talk to do, but man, you really want to get to the heart of the situation. Well, no, I mean, we can smack talk some more. It's cool. I mean, I, I, I never put a timer on this, so it's always Pete's got to regulate us. So I'm, I'm like, I'm in the other. Don't ask me to regulate. Our whole podcast would be smack talk if I had my way. (laughs) All right. Well, let me, let me play our, our Doc Brown. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. All right, Peyton Jones, what is this week's topic? Today's topic is, as we said before, it is how to reach the unreached. And the category we're going to talk about today is people from the handicapped community. So, um, and, and there's multiple. There's a, there's a, a deaf community. Um, there, there seems to be a community or, you know, a, a grouping of people, and I would say that that one of the most overlooked groups of unreached people that the church does not accommodate and does not even factor in is handicapped people. When I was a, a church planner over uh, seas in Wales, they actually passed a law that was like, "Hey, churches, you have to make uh, you know any place of public worship needs to be accessible by people with handicap." Um, you, you had to have all kinds of things. And this was part of them going into the European Union. I remember at the time, churches were really complaining. Now, there was grant money, but they were really upset. Like, why is this being forced on us? And I can remember thinking, uh, my mom was a, a speech pathologist uh, that specialized in what's called assistive technologies and people with um, developmental disability. And many of you uh, probably don't realize this, but my daughter... Uh, who will be two this week? Happy birthday on Wednesday. She will. Um, uh, she has been um, diagnosed a couple of times with a couple different things. They've never been able to to determine because when she was born, she had a um, uh, a blood test and she couldn't get her genetic screening. So we're just getting ready to do that and find out what's going on. But there was some kind of birth defect. She does have birth defects. And she doesn't walk right. She doesn't talk right. She did have a stroke. So anyways, we could be looking at cerebral palsy. We could be looking at spina bifida. We could be looking at a, a whole mixed bag of things. There's, there's other syndromes that the neurologists have, have said she may have. And we just have to wait and see right now. But, um, but anyways, I can remember at that time, you know, because of my upbringing with my mom uh, and also, um, you know, just sitting in church going, you know, sitting in these meetings going, why would you not want to reach these people? Why would you not want to make your church accessible? Yes, it might cost some money, but uh, it just seemed weird to me that churches got mad about it. I really find that 
sad and disturbing that churches Welcome. would complain about it. <laughs> Welcome to the other side. Well, I mean, because we've got the same law here in America, right? The uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. And that's why you see everything now when you're redoing the front of a restaurant or whatever. It's all got to be compliant. You got to have ramps and uh, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I just uh, – it, it it really does disturb me that a church would complain about that. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was interesting, and so you know, kind of to to kick this talk off, you know, I want to tell you guys a little story about this because this became, you know, my uncle is deaf. Um, my, uh, I guess my, I'm trying to think now, I believe that my grandmother, if I got this story right, she had measles um, when she was pregnant, and as often happened, they. There's been a debate about did the measles cause it, which I used to think, or was it the drug that they administered to combat the measles, which caused uh, the baby in the womb to become deaf? So anyways, all that to say my uncle's death, and which then led to my mom becoming a speech pathologist and uh, and, and you might say speech therapist, fancy word, but she's actually a speech pathologist. She had, she had extra schooling and, um, and and dealt with that, so... Um, it was actually, you know, dealing specifically with people with uh, disabilities. And so um, anyways, I remember when I first went into the ministry, we had a family uh, reunion and my uncle took me aside and, and, and we've always been close. I've always been super close to him all my life. Um, and you're not supposed to say you have a, a favorite family member, but he was awesome, dude. You know how like they, they used to teach like chimps, uh, sign language in the 60s i don't know where you're going with this man but that's a statement that's never been said on the church planner podcast you know they they taught chimps sign language well while we're talking about let's talk about monkeys in space i mean that's pretty cool too but no the uh, the chimps they used to teach him how to sign and there was a, a a a couple these doctors they were known as the greens and they were the pioneers in that and my uncle was a part of their team. So he actually is a scientist. Um, today, he was an educator for years, taught science at um, Gallaudet, the deaf school uh, up in the Pacific Northwest. But he was a pretty accomplished dude. But anyways, he was a part of that team. So he used to live with a monkey. And so that immediately as a, cool, uh, as a kid made him cool because he had a chimp that he could sign back and forth with. So um, it, it was just awesome. So anyways, he's, he's always been a cool guy, played football in high school, um, was a quarterback, even though, you know, so they would just do hand signals and it, it was awesome, man. He was a really neat guy. But anyways, he took me aside, uh, when I first became a pastor and he, he, you know, after he would tell me about how frustrating it was to be in family gatherings because no one but my mom knew sign language, he asked me and he made me promise. He said, if you become a pastor, um, Please make sure that you will always have uh, signers. And, you know, that that over the years has been hard because it's something I always think about. It's not something I always do. But at that time, we were right down the street from Golden West College, and I was a college pastor. So what I did is I asked some of the kids um, in, in the college group, hey, you guys are at Golden West, and they have a uh, sign language program. Do any of you guys take those classes? And we had two people who did, and particularly one girl. Uh, she um, she just made the announcement at at the the department there for uh, the hearing impaired, 
And I'm kidding you not, man. Um, we had a flood of probably on any given night, it could be 10 to 20 um, people from the deaf community. They are a tight knit community. And we got um, 10 to 20 uh, of them every week. And it was amazing. They were getting saved. We were learning like really the sign language for the gospel is just amazing. Like the Bible is like you make the, the sign for Jesus, the sign for Jesus is you put your middle finger in each palm back and forth. That's a sign for Jesus. Um, and then the Bible's like, you know, Jesus book, you open a book, but you make the, the sign in your hand. So it was pretty cool. And, and so they started getting saved. And I remember thinking if my uncle had not had this talk with me, I would have never thought of this. And I'll never forget what he said to me, which absolutely rocked me. He, he was a scientist, remember, and he was an atheist. And my grandparents, uh, you know, they would, they would, they had come to faith later in life in their fifties, uh, where it was personal. They were Methodists and they went to this thing called road to Emmaus that, that you do in kind of later, later middle age, early old age, I guess. And they got saved. And so they started praying for me, you know, it's, I was the first one outside of them to come to faith. But when my uncle had his baby, it's right around, right or just shortly after I came to faith, he had his baby. And um, he started thinking about God just through that as a scientist, like what a miracle it was and on and on. And so um, when we talked, he said, Peyton, I can only go in my city of Salem, Oregon. I can only go to uh, the Episcopal Church because I can't understand anything anywhere hmm. else. It's the only church in the city that has sign language during the service. I actually know a pastor up in Salem, Oregon. Really? And, yeah. Total side note. I went to high school with him. Wow. Which which uh, which church is he in? Uh, I would assume it's an Assemblies of God because that's what he was in high school. A-O-G, baby. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I mean, and that floored me because I had never thought about it. So, this is why we're bringing it up on the podcast today is this is a marginalized and it's not just deaf. We're going to go on to talk about other people uh, and, you know, just how eye-opening this whole thing is and how the church does not accommodate this at all. Uh, but he could only go to the – and he's like, I don't want to go to the Episcopal Church. But if I want to go and worship God, that's where I do it. So just think about that for a second. That is um, – that's kind of a profound thought because, I, you know, we just don't uh, – we, we don't – it's a reactive thing, not a proactive thing, right? Like we don't have someone up there in using this example doing sign language. There's no one who's who's doing that during our sermons unless there's someone who's deaf and then it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, you know maybe they're – their spouse or their parent or their family member knows sign language and they can do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For that one person. So you give it no ground for traction because you're not going to have them do it if they don't show up. Right. You know, it's like, so then no one else wants to come because, well, maybe no one's going to be there this week. I mean, it just, it's an interesting situation that you're bringing up because we're so reactive and not proactive. So here's the deal, right? You have interpreters. This is what starts happening. You have the deaf community there, and then they have to have an interpreter. So if they go to the, you know, their services where there's funding, all that, they can get an interpreter for if a church will do it. 
um, they can get an interpreter. And so if you allow it to happen, those interpreters come. Now, imagine a church like ours, Refuge Long Beach, right? Imagine a non-saved interpreter hearing the gospel uh, week after week. This is the way when we were doing with the youth, with the uh, youth offenders, and we still get some coming through where they do their community service. They help us set up and tear down. And then um, they hear the gospel. Our rule is that, look, you want easy community service hours? You help us set up and tear down for an hour before and after. And then for our hour and 45-minute service, you know, you eat breakfast and you sit and you just you hang out, man. There's four hours, right, that we can sign you off for on a Sunday. And in two hours of it, you're just sitting. Now, they're hearing the gospel. And we've seen a number of them get saved. Um, but it's again, it's it's thinking about the marginalized in your society um, that could that could be uh, uh, people, you know, from another ethnicity. That could be people like we just said, um, you know, it could be sex workers. It could. There's so many different uh, swaths of people out there. But but the handicapped one is someone no one thinks. When you say reaching the unreached, nobody thinks about this. What do you do? Um, let's let's talk about some of the different types of handicaps um, outside of just hearing, uh, you know, blind, they can still come to church. I mean, they can't see the words on the screen, but they can still hear it. I mean, it's, it's very easy, obviously uh, for someone who's blind to still be able to engage in church. Um, my wife is practically blind half the time I tell her anyway. <laughs> so that's my proof. No, but what about um, different uh, uh, handicaps where, like, even traveling is a big deal? Uh, you know, bedridden, uh, something like that. I mean, what do you do in those situations? Are, are you even focusing on church plants with that uh, situation? Or is it, you know, just reaching out to that community? You could. I mean, if you live stream, you, I mean, you're the genius with, like, Facebook advertising, right? I mean... You could target. You could literally target um, people from uh, that community. Um, you know, I I don't know how you do it. I mean, you're you're the guy who knows all that. But yeah, if you want it, you could literally um, get the word out. You know, that so it wouldn't be about necessarily bringing that group in as much of as it is just reaching out to them. Well, like for example, my daughter. Um, yes, exactly. And and but I do think that there is an outreach to them. So. Let me tell you a couple stories. Um, let me let me start with, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of where to where to begin here. Um, my daughter right now, I take her. Well, I, I take her. I I don't take her often. My wife usually takes her. Um, she goes. She has occupational therapy, physical therapy, and speech therapy. Um, she was born at one pound. You know, I've told the story before, but um, she's got a lot of issues, and so. We take her to a therapy center and some of the kids are have helmets on and um, some of them can't walk. And, and, you know, it's a mixed bag. Like we walk into this therapy center and it's, it's diverse, the disabilities, but it's kind of a hub in the community for people with disabilities. So what, what I would suggest personally, let's say you're hearing this today and you're feeling really burdened and you go to your church. Cause I always think you need buy-in from your church you kind of need to like share this with your church because it's going to change your service, right? Um, if it, So what you do is you go and you say, look, um, you go to that center and you talk with the, the, the manager there and you say, look, we're a local church. We're in this community. 
And we are, um, we're newer, but we want to welcome you there and say that, you know, um, I know that a lot of parents, um, cause these are children. Um, I know a lot of parents are very self-conscious. They don't feel they can take their children to church. They, they, their children are disruptive. They, they have to be in the mother's cry room, but then they're worried about waking sleeping babies. And it's just, they just stay at home. You know, maybe they live stream and we want to just invite you, um, you know, to our church. So in our case, we'd say, look, we sit around coffee tables and we have, um, you know, everybody, you know, boom, boom, boom. We can, we can create a group or, or, or a bunch of, you know, they can sit in a group during, uh, towards the back, but we are not bothered at all by distractions. And of course, you know, Pete, we're not at Refuge Long Beach. You can have your dog in church. You can have your kids in church. We I don't know. Care. Whenever babies start crying and you're preaching, you always point them out. I'm just saying. I know. I got to stop doing that. You really what do. I, <laughs> what I do is because I, I want everyone to know it doesn't bug me. I make a joke about it. I'm like, uh, excuse me, ma'am. Could you please stop that crying baby? You know, and, and, and I'll usually make a joke and then, you know, just say, Hey, we're totally cool with that. But what I've done in doing has I've actually made everyone look at them and embarrass them further. And I actually stopped doing that because my wife took me aside and goes, Hey, I know what you're trying to do. And it is funny, but she goes, if I were that mom, I'd never bring my baby back in again. I'd be humiliated. So it's good. Our wives tell us we're stupid. Well, it's easy for your wife to tell you that. <laughs> yes, you have never heard that from your wife, apparently. Um, I I know how to put my wife in her place. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, Pete, um, I'm just glad the angry comments come to your inbox. They and do, my- and I get a lot of them too. <laughs> and it's always what I say. It's never what you say. Nope. Nope. Never. <laughs> That's why I have you on here. You're like my buffer. You're my body shield. Well, at least I'm not Pete Mitchell. <laughs> I may be bad, but I'm not as bad as Pete. <laughs> Just saying. So, so uh, thanks for making me look good, number one. And number two, uh, let's talk about number two. The uh, the reality is that, you know, you would go there and you would just tell them you're welcome. You're welcome with us. And that will go a long way. And you put the things there and you say, you're welcome. Um, you know, you could even be creative and put a, a, a thing together, a card. And, of course, you'll have something to say about this. But something like, hey, is it hard to go to church? Worried about distracting people? Uh, not at Refuge Long Beach. You know, you don't have to worry about that. We welcome you and would love to have from... And you put the name of that center on there because that center must be cranking out like somewhere around 500, 600 families. And I'm probably low on that estimation. What type of center are you talking about? So it's a, it's like a rehab, it's like a child development center for children with handicap issues. So let's imagine suddenly you've just reached into, and I'm being conservative on this estimate, 600 families. Uh, That would be insane, right? And, And you're giving them a personal uh, invitation. So Charlie Marquez rents uh, for Impact Church, a new breed church planner up in uh, Whittier. He actually rents a school building that is a school specifically for people with developmental disabilities. And I've told him, man, you're sitting on a gold mine. And here's how I know. When I was at Martin Lloyd-Jones' church as the evangelist, uh, we had this amazing plan to plant a church. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because you just called that a gold mine. Yeah, if we can get them in here, we can get them to tithe. It'll be awesome. (laughs) 
oh man, they got all kinds of grants from the state. No, I didn't mean like that. I mean a gold mine as far as like evangelistic. I know, but it just sounded so financially based. It was it was kind of funny to me. Well, you know what's funny about that? It's funny you should raise that because Paul uses financial terms a lot, and so did Jesus when talking about evangelism. So it's funny, you know, he he uses terms of profit and loss. And as a marketer, I'm sure you've, and as an entrepreneur, you've recognized this. Paul was a businessman. He was an entrepreneur. And even he, profit is the word profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> literally, 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 there are so many economic terms, including the prodigal son. That is an economic term, prodigal, which means someone who wasted everything. And so, you know, the more you study the New Testament, you're like, huh. So uh, burying my talents, investing, there's all these salvation images. Um, the man who built his, his barns bigger, um, it, there's all these financial uh, imagery tied in. And then, of course, you got Paul in Ephi- uh, Ephesians saying, um, buying up all opportunities, um, like a guy in a bazaar, you know, make the most of every opportunity. And of course he's talking about for the gospel, but he's using a, um, entrepreneurial term, uh, you know, cause he would buy raw materials to be a tent maker. And so he uses one of those, uh, terms to talk about, Hey, when I'm in the market, I'm looking for the, the greatest deal, the greatest in, and you need to be savvy, you know, you need to be shrewd, like Jesus said, be a shrewd as serpents. That's a financial term. And so um, it's amazing. It's amazing to me that, that that's in there. So it's funny you should say that. But um, all that, 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 was a, that was as big of a digression as um, Val Kilmer. <laughs> that was a biblical Val Kilmer. Church planning for people like Val Kilmer. So <laughs> there is no hope for people like Val Kilmer. Oh. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, not good. Not good. <laughs> I might. Oklahoma, not, Oklahoma. I, I might not get all the hate, the hate email. Val <laughs> Kilmer fan club's going to write the podcast. We're deeply offended at what you said. So anyways, um, going back people. to this. Okay. So now that we've talked about mining gold out of uh, families that are dealing with this, I, I don't think we can go any, any lower, but. Um, but going back to this, so when I was an evangelist over at Lloyd Jones's church, we made a um, a plan to plant a church, and this church was planted. I came as the evangelistic kind of wing to this, but uh, someone else took it and led the charge. Uh, and what what happened was, um, uh, at a certain stage, there was a a woman who we just saw like a knock-on of salvations, right? Starting from the first day, what what happened was I'd come once a month and I would preach. So I kicked off the first Sunday uh, because I was more evangelistic than the guy at that time. Funny enough, he's, he's way developed in this area. But at the time, he wasn't comfortable. And he's like, hey, will you come and kick us off evangelistically? And will you... um come every month for six, six months and just do a real strong evangelistic message. So I did. And people would get saved every time. And every time I would be there, there'd be the people who got saved the last time would bring people who get saved that time. And so the church just, it was really growing um, exponentially. They're now like the equivalent of a mega church in Wales. Um, got, I mean, it's crazy what's happened there, but they, um, what happened was, um, one of the women that got saved was a woman named Glennis. 
I'll never forget Glennis Dennis. And she was a manager of a facility that ironically I later went to go when I was a clinical troubleshooter using my RN license. Um, I, I started working with this facility of people with disability. And so what happened was she got saved. And of course, as a brand new Christian, she goes to the pastor and says, well, um, look, I manage this care facility and I would love to bring them here. I mean, they don't do anything on a Sunday. And I mean, I wasn't saved, so I never thought of having them go to church, but we take them on field trips all throughout the week. You know, we'll go to a park, we'll go to the coast, we'll go to, you know, a, a restaurant. So what would be the possibility? And of course that pastor had, he, he thought, Oh, there's no problem here, but it came with a price tag. So, for example, some of these people had things like what's called fragile X syndrome, which is a lot like Down syndrome, but exhibits a lot worse. People that bang their head, um, nonverbal people that groan and in the middle of the service might start jerking and uh, start going, you know. And so now they've got this perfect church plant and people are getting saved. And of course, just, you know, me, right? I'm going to call a spade a spade. I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room. All of a sudden they have this dilemma. Uh-oh. There's people making weird noises in church, right? They're quote unquote disrupting the service. And so the preacher be winding up, he'd be preaching. And all of a sudden you hear, you know, just really loud, you know, or someone might start going, ah, (laughs) that's distracting, right? That's the same noise that I make during church. (laughs) It is actually, I just... I actually said that just to tell you right then that you're being a bit distracting. Can you Mm. stop? Okay. But the reality is that um, they started getting saved and particularly the ones who, you know, were communicative, um, higher functioning is what they would call them there. Um, Folks with disability, but they were higher. They were in a higher functioning category. They could verbalize. They started hearing the gospel and getting saved. Now you had a marginalized piece of society that no one thought to take to church um, who were getting saved. But even more striking was their care workers. Now, you have to understand these are non-educated, non-licensed care workers that are just literally almost like babysitters for people with disabilities. So what would happen is they would have to be there to sit next to them. Well, they all started getting saved. And I kid you not, man, it, it was explosive. I mean, they had eight facilities with probably about 30 uh, employees in each one. And these facilities just started coming. And yes, service was disruptive. I continued to preach there on a, on a regular basis, but uh, it would be disruptive. But who cares, right? No one cared. People were, and, and here's the ironic thing, Pete. Think back to Jesus's ministry, right? Think about people bringing them epileptics, right? Think about people bringing kids to them. Think about all the disruption and the disciples trying to stop it. We Think about people that. bringing him demon-possessed people. I'm sure exactly. they weren't well-behaved. No. And and think of all the miracles, all the disabled, all of the handicapped people that were a prominent part of Jesus' public ministry. And yet today, that's not and, – and that was how it was. In the temple, right? In the temple, um, they were told you can't serve God if you're Levite and you're handicapped. Leviticus says you can't. Um, and, and so there was always this ostracization and this belief that maybe 
they or their parents had done something evil and God in his wisdom had cursed them. And there was this whole belief system behind it. So they were marginalized. And of course, Jesus comes and he brings the kingdom and he brings kingdom power and, and, and kingdom restoration. And he's restoring them and healing them and pushing them to the front of his ministry. And it's, it's just powerful. Hmm. I was actually thinking about that when you were talking of uh, the effect that it would have on the family or the care workers, you know, other people who aren't saved. Um, because I mean, you're, I think you're, you're absolutely right. As a parent, you're like, well, where can I take my kid? Right. And, um, and I actually think that a lot of care facilities would be like, oh, you know, you're, you're going to like cater to our clientele for lack of better word, you know, at your church. Sure. We'll promote that because I just got to think there's hardly anybody who's doing that. There is hardly anyone. I can honestly say I have never, ever been to a church in the United States that did. And maybe you're a podcast listener here and you're going, well, my church does, or I know of a church. That's awesome. Let us know. Like literally let us know about that because For me personally, this is something that, you know, as we kicked into this today, um, like I said, my daughter has special needs and I am, um, it's something I'm thinking of more and more. Um, again, it's, it's renewing this in me where I've let it lapse a bit myself. And so I, please understand, I'm not coming on here preaching at people. It's just something that the Lord's bringing to my remembrance and I'm remembering that promise I made to my uncle. And I'm starting to think, hmm, we got Long Beach uh, City College right there. We've got Long Beach uh, University, Cal State University, Long Beach. Um, they There are hearing impaired programs there. And there's strong deaf communities. And there's all kinds of, we got the VA hospital near us. Why are we not tapping into this? These are people that are marginalized. And, of course, that's what New Breed is all about. That's what Refuge is all about, is reaching the unreached. You know, and um, I mean, it's not it's not uh, traditional handicap when we think of the word handicap, but like you're down there in a military community and uh, PTSD is huge for yeah. people coming back um, yeah. from Iraq and Afghanistan. So well, I have I mean, to say that is one area where we actually I was just talking with a, a girl with schizophrenia um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, when I was down there last time and I was just talking to her and I, you know, it, it's so amazing having been a psych nurse. That is one of the the things that when God derailed me, I thought I was going to be a minister and I felt God literally call me to be an RN. I had no clue what he was doing, but more valuable than any seminary training I did was the training I got as a psych nurse, because I can literally have conversations with people about their illnesses so I was talking with this one girl. One of our couples had had taken one of the girls uh, off the street. She was homeless, but she wasn't a crazy, you know, she didn't manifest. She had been on her meds. and But you can tell when you're a psych nurse, you can tell even when schizophrenic is stabilized, there's still just something there. And um, But anyways, they took her in and they understood the risks and they had safety precautions um, but they took her in for a number of weeks, I think over a month, might have been six weeks, but they took her in for a, a, a period of time. And towards the end, I had a an interesting conversation with her and just being able to reach across and say, hey, you know, um, you know, you're safe here, right? You know that 
Um, you know, we, I was a psych nurse. I understand. You can always talk to us about what you're you know, and she goes, yeah, she goes, that's the thing. She said, I, I don't, I don't really know any other churches where I could go and be accepted with my illness. And it is an illness, you know, I'll tell you what happens with people, with mental illness. And we talked about this before, um, churches get mad at them because they're, disruptive or inconvenient, you know, when, when they, when their illness exhibits, it's, it's uncomfortable and they're treated like an interruption, go away, stop interrupting this important worship of God. And we don't like, what do you think Jesus would do in a Sunday service? If suddenly, uh, uh, we had this, remember the time where the guy was schizophrenic and he stood up in the middle of the service and goes, everybody, I just want to say how blessed I am here. And I love you all. And he starts tearing up. And then he's like, and I'm going to run for U.S. Senate. (laughs) I want you all to support me. Do you remember that? No. Was that at Refuge? It was at Bixby. It was at Bixby. Really? And, um, and I, you know, I just put my arm around and say, hey, man, that's, that's cool. Let's go talk about that. And I just right then just grabbed him, took him aside. And uh, we chatted and he's just getting more and more grandiose and, um, and, and, and and I told I just looked at him and I go, have you ever been hospitalized for schizophrenia? And he looks at me and he goes, Why yes I have. Huh. <laughs> and I said, Oh, I said, you know, I know you don't know me really well, but you seem really cool. I really like you. But look, um, I think I think at some point you may have stopped taking your meds. And he goes, Oh yeah. They were killing me. You know, they, it's always when you're schizophrenic, right? It's, it's bad. It's killing you. And I don't want to go into mental illness here. But again, when he was stabilized, a couple of weeks later, we talked. And I said, hey, man, good to see you again. And we chatted. And he said to me, you know, I, I felt, he goes, even when I was in my delusional psychotic state, he goes, I remembered how you treated me. And he hmm. said, that's why I came back. And, um, and so he came. He came for a number of weeks. And, of course, he was homeless. He was living on someone's sofa, some woman um, who I think was using his benefits. Um, there are those people out there. And uh, he, um, you know, we, we, we haven't seen him for a long time, but I think about him a lot. And I'll never forget that comment. So, the, again, a marginalized portion of society. This is a disability. You know, but here's the, here's the thing, too, because I, I think about this. A lot of our church planners, they don't have the background that you've got. Um, and obviously, there's also just different personality types. So what do you advise the church planner who's like, yeah, okay, I want to um, take part in reaching this community, whatever it is, you know, whether it's, you know, the deaf community, uh, some sort of physical impairment, uh, a mental impairment, whatever it is, but, you know, they're not the right, uh, you know, they don't have enough skill set to be able to be really effective in that? I mean, yeah. I, what do you do? I so, mean, is that just so where you basically county, start praying? Yes. Hey, you know, God, give us someone who can help us reach this community. So you, you taught, you start by going through local government, you go to the County office, um, you know, online and you Google things like um, disability centers, child development centers, and you start, you know, CCS, um, you start looking up uh, places like that. Like for us, um, be like hope infant program. There's all kinds of different, you know, keywords. And you just, you look that stuff up. And as you do, 
you'll start getting some telephone numbers and you just say, hey, we're, you find the ones near you on Google. And so you start with Googling. Also, you go to the local colleges and universities and you call them and ask them if they have a deaf program, um, you know, things like that. And um, that that's the best way to do it, you know, um, just and then go make yourself known, go introduce them, um, get to know them and, and, and introduce and say, hey, we're a church in the area and we would really like to start a sign language program in our church. And we understand you have people. We just want to make ourselves available because we understand that, that people in the deaf community don't have places to worship um, or they're very limited. And we would like to be one of those accommodating churches where the deaf community can come and they're not, they're not, you know, we're, we're there for them and we'll have the signers stand up front and make them a part of the service. And um, you know, boom. Hmm. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that in a church plant environment because that's the kind of thing that you only see, like using the deaf community as the example, you only see that in the mega churches or yeah. on TV, right? You know, they got the little person down on the right hand corner signing the sermon. You mean on Saturday Night Live when they have the guy, uh, they say, and now a message from <laughs> for the hearing impaired. And it shows that black guy in the corner and he goes, Good night. He starts yelling everything Chevy Chase is saying. No, but you heard about that happened in real life where uh, in South Africa, they had a fake sign language guy. Yes. Standing oh, my up there gosh. I heard about that. He, he had mental illness problems, but no one knew. And they had hired him before. And the deaf community was like, get this joker off there. He's not really signing. He's just making up stuff. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a it was a big deal in South Africa. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. What year did that happen? Oh, it was just in the last couple of years. It was really recent. Yeah. It was a big event. I, I can't even remember what it was, but it was a it was a big event um, that the world was watching, and that's why it came out. It was finally a big enough event where enough uh, hearing impaired people were like, "Dude, this guy is faking. He's making up signs. These don't exist." Okay, so, so guys listening to the show, the, the, the girls listening to the show are going to love me for this because I'm going to recommend a chick flicky show to you, right? And it's on Netflix, and it's called Switched at Birth. And it's a show that's meant to give uh, hearing people an understanding of the deaf community. And it's about um, two, two babies who were switched at birth, and one of them was deaf. And so... Um, it just, it, it's, it's a cool show. Um, like I said, it's chick flicky. So guys, here's what you do. You go tell your wife, you say, look, I gotta do some research for the church. You're going to love this. It's a chick flicky show, but here's the deal. If we watch this and I do the church research, you got to rub my back the whole time. If we watch your chick flicky show. So guys, you're going to love me too. Chick chicks are going, yeah, cool. Chicky flicky show right on. You make my husband watch girly things right on. Thank you. But guys, you know, you get a back rub out of the deal. That's how you swing it. But uh, that'll give you an insight um, into a lot of the issues that uh, the deaf community deals with. And I think you'll, you'll, you'll gain a burden. And once you get a burden for something, you know, like I said, I mean, Jesus, you know, he starts his ministry and he just starts going after them. There's days where all he's doing all day is healing people with, with illnesses and handicaps. And the gospel is just packed with it. So I'm just saying, you know, if, if we're going to do what Jesus did and be Jesus to this world, again, we have to go after the marginalized. So I can tell you dang sure that's who Jesus would be going after. And if, you know, like we talked about disrupting the service, I just like to think what would Jesus do? He'd stop what he's doing. 
you know, the service would not take ever precedent over the individual. You know, the service can become a sacred cow and an idol. And Jesus would just hone in on the individual. Hey, that's what we're here for. And I think of the, the more of us as church plants, the more we do that. Remember the, the parable of the banquet? And Jesus said, don't go after those when you throw a banquet. And of course, he's talking about, you know, the kingdom of God, the community, the church. He says, when you throw a banquet, he goes, don't go after those who will come and they have money and they can repay you. You know, like you invite someone to a banquet, there's fringe benefits. They're going to invite you back or maybe you're doing something for business and, you know, whatever. Um, You're wine and dining them. He says, go out and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And your father who is in heaven will himself see what you have done and bless you. And, uh, And I think that's a kingdom principle. I think it applies to the church. I think God blesses churches. You know, maybe you're not the big mega church that's gone after the uh, white, middle class, upperly mobile young families. But you've done something that is eternally significant and it's going to have lasting kingdom impact. And uh, yeah. So anyways. I dig it, man. I agree. Yeah. I concur. All, All that stuff. There are many types of marginalized. This is just one of them. So, hey, guys, thanks for joining us uh, today. Are we doing a MoGiv or are we on our fifth week? Uh, no, we're doing uh, Simplified Church this week. Cool. All right. And uh, let me give a shout-out before we're off. Um, good buddy of mine, Eric Kirkhoff, uh, runs yourhost.com. And I'm just going to throw this in there because um, he is a uh, streamer. If you have sermons... And all that good stuff that you want to stream your service live, like what Pete was talking about. Um, he is on the cutting edge of uh, streaming. He's always upgrading equipment, web streaming. He's always got the latest. He can hook you up. But he is passionate about church planning, and he's affordable. And their tagline is new technology, old-fashioned service. And you can literally call them up. Uh, I know him personally. He goes to Refuge, and uh, he's a good guy. And uh, if you want to get web streaming up and going for people like what Pete talked about, then uh, get in touch with him. It's yourhost.com. Ask for Eric Kirkhoff. He's the owner, and he is absolutely passionate about church planning. So he will uh, love to hear from you guys and let him know that you heard from us. And with that, this has been the Church Planter Podcast, reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music